How's everybody? Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, Renee is coming around passing a handout. So um, if you were at my house this week or uh, were um, at family groups on Tuesday night, you got this handout. Uh, so we're going to touch on it, but I just wanted to, for those of you that did not receive it on Tuesday or get to look at it, I just wanted you to have a copy um, of that. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will get started on our discussion this morning. Father, as we um, just embark on the summertime and whatever that does for uh, a change in schedule, or if it's just more of the same but hotter, uh, Father, I pray that um, we would not see the summer as a time um, to take off uh, from you. Lord, I pray that uh, as we enter into this uh, season, uh, Lord, that you would open our hearts uh, to what you would have for us, Father, that we would be always open to change, uh, that we would always uh, be assessing uh, where we are, but also, Father, just coming to uh, a better understanding of what it looks like to walk with you and to enjoy you, uh, to benefit from relationship with you and for others to benefit from relationship uh, with us. And so, Lord, um, as we spend a little bit of time together, Father, I pray that you would help us be attentive uh, to what your calling is. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so this uh, summer, we are going to, if you want to turn your chair around so you don't have to, like, Dylan, that's going to hurt. Uh, <laughs> Um, as we uh, come into the summer, uh, we're going to spend um, a decent amount of time in uh, equipping. And so what I mean by that is I want to uh, spend our Sunday mornings, if you're, uh, when you're able to be with us, to um, make sure that we know uh, where we are with the Lord, but also as we figure out what that looks like, that we would be more equipped and more aware uh, of where um, others are and how I, right, can be a catalyst to their growth uh, and their um, and them understanding what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Uh, there's a couple ideas that I want you, um, if you're taking notes, um, to kind of be aware of this morning. I want to talk about this idea of mobilizing. I want to talk about this idea of urgency. And I want us to understand, you know, are we urgent and are we urgent for the right things? Okay. Um, so here is, uh, so here's a question I want to start off with. Here, I got to fix this. That's not it. Hold on. We're working in, in concert. All right, here we go. Nope. That's what it is. All right. So, um, so I don't mean this to be a morbid question. That's why I didn't say today, right? <laughs> but when we think about uh, how uh, the length of three years, if I say, okay, three years, that's it for me. Um, I think that allows us to think about this question a little differently. Okay? So I want you to take a minute, and I want you to think about that, and I want you to think uh, and I want you to share around your table kind of the types of questions that you would ask yourself if you were given this news. What do I want my life to be about for the next three years? I have the opportunity to be strategic, not just reactionary, right? And so we'll get into why we, uh, I'm asking you this question. Take a minute around your table, 
what are the types of questions I would ask myself if I was given this news, and then what would that, what type of urgency would that give me? All right, so take a minute, talk about that around your tables, and I'll come back in a second. All right. All right, so uh, you've had just a few minutes. It's always not quite enough time. Uh, you've had just a few minutes to kick this around. Uh, in your loudest uh, big boy or big girl voice, um, share with me just a couple things that you guys talked about around your table. Say, hey, we talked about this. We talked about aligning yourself with God. Yep. Yeah, aligning ourselves with God more, right, and what He wants, and then making sure they're around people that they know that we care about them, right? The people that really matter to us. All right? What else? Christian. Okay, so we quit our jobs and we would do something that we liked or thought that mattered, right? So He said, quit our jobs and go and be missionaries. One more. What's another thought? Marcus wants to go to Mars. Okay, somebody else. Chris. Who is not going to be in heaven or who is going to be in heaven because of you, right? So as Americans, we struggle with, like, we, we got good health care, right? We've, most of us have some money. Um, we, we really think that we will live forever. I can do those things that are most important sometimes next week or tomorrow, uh, and so we're going to struggle with a couple things. Uh, we're going to struggle either with being urgent for the wrong things or being complacent because we've got time to do the things that are really important. Amen? And so I, I struggle with this as well. And so uh, the thing that I want to talk to us about today is, again, how do we get urgent for the things that are important and what does that look like uh, for us to mobilize? Here's the question that I would ask. I would reflect on the most, what the most important things were and do those things. As believers, right, so many of you, that's where your head went, and I'm very, very thankful, except for Mars. He was but you, a missionary on Mars, right? You just check, nothing's going on, be back in six months, I can can't carry on, right? Absolutely. So reflect on what the most important things were and do those things. So Paul uh, talks about this very frequently. In scripture. And so I want to look at one passage real quick to hone us in on and ask some good questions of us about are we asking those questions uh, that Paul is asking. And so I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 9 uh, and we'll look at 23, 24, 25, and 26 for just a minute. And so there are many, many things that we can spend our time with. Amen? And uh, some of us are really good, right, at doing 8 million things, right? And some of us are really good about doing a couple things, but neither one of those things, whether we're good multitaskers or whether we're not, um, it still depends on, well, what is it that you're spending your time doing? Hey, we got to eat, we got to work, we got to go to school, right? We got to spend time with people, we got to buy presents. There's just all these parties, right? It's just part of life. But outside of those things, right, that are just going to happen every day, what, what are you doing the rest of your time, right? What are you going to be about? Do you have any sort uh, of plan, any sort of goal? Or are you just kind of 
rolling through life. And so, and so Paul knows our issue with this. Our issue is just kind of do the thing that's in front of us. Man, I don't know where I'm going to eat, and so I'm going to concentrate on that for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> where are we going to eat, guys? Where are we going to eat? You know, you have this 15-minute conversation to get on the same page about where we're going to eat. So he knows that about us, that we are so easily distracted, that we are so easily uh, engaged in just what the now is or what is kind of crashing into our minds. And so he starts off this passage by really coming at us, right, and telling us what his mindset is. So he's trying to teach us that, hey, maybe I need to think about life a little differently than I do now. Or if I struggle with that, I need to be more consistent about figuring out and understanding what God tells me life is about. And so he says this, verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. See, Paul is saying as we've heard this gospel, as we've responded to it by giving Christ our lives, he wants us to not keep responding to it. I mean, he wants us to continue to respond to it. He wants to continue to let us, not that it's something that happened in our past or something that helps me out every once in a while, but he says, I want to be a partaker, right? I want to be one that participates, right, in the life that God has given me through his death and resurrection on the cross. He says, I do all things for the sake of that, because that means everything to me. And I don't see myself as like, well, I've taken care of that, and so at some point I'll get to partake. He said, I want to partake in it now. And so that's why he does all things for the gospel. Because he thinks that his life is better as he gives himself away. My life is better when I give myself away. That is God's claim. And so the couple questions, each of these verses are going to come with questions because as we see Scripture, we need to do something with it, right? We need to figure out, hey, is, do I understand what Paul is saying? Do I understand what Jesus is saying? Do I understand what so-and-so is saying? And what am I going to do about it? So the question to you is, what do you do all things for? What do you do all things for? I want you to think about that. If these are questions that you want to think, I want you to write that down. This, is, this bears thinking about. What do I do all things for? Do, is there any point to waking up in the morning? <laughs> Besides getting where I need to get on time. What do I do all things for? Second question that bears from this verse is, what do, you, uh, do you want to become a fellow partaker in God's kingdom? So often we see God's kingdom as something that benefits me, right? But we don't see it as something that I partake in. If I'm God's man or woman, and I hope that we are, then God, and God's saying, man, I wonder if they'll be available for me today. Just maybe I, I need, I have a 10-minute assignment, but I wonder if they're going to be available. I wonder if Josh is going to be available. Man, I love that guy. He's going to do so much, but I wonder if he'll be available to me because I've got some things that I, I would love for him to do. So the question for us, do you want to become a fellow partaker in God's kingdom? Let's look at 24. So as he tells us, right, what he does all things for, so that he may become a partaker, he, he asks this question to the Corinthian church, and he asks us as well. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, 
Every one of you runs, right? You're busy, you're doing stuff, right? You're not not running. But what is the point of your running? So in using this analogy, you not know that those who run all race all run, but, one who rece- uh, but only one receives the prize. He says, I want you to run in such a way that you receive the prize. And so Paul is, is telling us in so many words, like, like, life has a purpose, and I want you to run like that you're going to figure that you know what that is and that you're going to benefit from running the way that he has called you to run. So the questions that beg answering, everyone's running, you're running. Do you know what you're running for? And do you run to win? So we're going to take another pause here. And I want you to uh, talk about, so, so what emotions does that elicit by even being asked that question? Right? The American life, from what I can observe and what I struggle with, is about distraction. <laughs> I've got things to do, and then when I'm not doing those things, I'm just figuring out whatever I want to do to get through the rest of the day. That is not what God Paul is talking about. That is not what he has called us to. That is our struggle. I've got so many things I could be doing, I just really want to do something that will kind of get me to bedtime without really thinking about, is that what I should be doing? So take a minute. How does that, how, how does that encroach on uh, your personal life as, he, as we ask each other these questions? Just what emotions does that bring up? Is that something that you like? Does that challenge you? Yes, I need this. I need this. Or, no, 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 that's way too heavy this morning. Talk about that for just a minute. How do I feel about being asked this question, what are you running for? All right. So as Paul is uh, challenging uh, the Corinthian church here and he challenges us, right, there's a lot of ways that we can react, right, to that challenge. Uh, We can be overwhelmed. Okay, how, oh gosh, you're asking me to actually do something. Oh, Um, or we can meet that challenge and it can, it can focus us, right? Anybody in here need focus? Anybody? Yeah? Bring them up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we look here at verse 25. As we talk about like everyone that runs, right? Are you running to win? He, he deals with uh, yet another issue here. He says, as it relates to that, let's say if we, we figure out that, uh, like when we, if we're running, we should run to win. Then verse 25, he says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And this is something that, is, is something that we, we hopefully are trying to grow in as we mature. Right, physically and spiritually, that I'm trying to exercise more and more self-control, that, that life is not about things just happening to me, that I have a lot of power, and particularly I have a lot of power in the Holy Spirit, right, to do the things that he calls me to do. But as we recognize that we are runners, and that we should run, right, to get a prize, right, we need to recognize that that's going to take self-control, and we need to exercise that, And then he says this, 
th thinking of this, uh, these athletes, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So the question that God was challenging me with, with this week, Rob, do you exercise self-control in anything? Yeah, actually I do. There are some stuff that I exercise self-control in. And I do those things generally pretty well, and they benefit me. There's a lot of things that I don't exercise self-control in at all that I let happen to me that just kind of like, how did that happen? It's like, well, Rob, you're not exercising any self-control whatsoever. That's how that kind of stuff happens. There you go. So do you exercise self-control about anything? But the better question is, do you exercise self-control in the right things? Man, it's great to go to the gym. Man, it's great to knock out your work early. Hey, it's great to uh, care about X, Y, or Z. We're not saying that those things aren't good. But if, those are the, if, if that is the things that you're exercising self-control in to the detriment of the things that God says life is really about, right, then we're missing out on what he has for us just by exercising self-control in the wrong things. If we walk into the, uh, the gym next door, um, it says bodily discipline is good. But there is something that's better. Do we know what that is? So the second question, what is the prize for the race that you are competing for? So we're going back to like you're running. If you looked at the things that you do in a given week, every one of those things that you give time to, right? Whether it's like, hey, I, I watch this show on Monday nights for an hour. Your goal then is to, and, and I do that every week. Well, my goal is to watch that show every week and to finish the show, <laughs> right? Everything we do has, uh, that we do has a point to it. What's the prize for the things that you give your time to? Everything you do has a prize at the end of it. What is the prize for the things that you give your time to? And the second question is, are those things that you give your time to, are they perishable? Are they at some point going to have an expiration date? Or are they imperishable? Uh, that's a good point. But I think what, we're, what we want to get at, though, right, is uh, what Paul talks about earlier in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, whereas are the things, as they are tried by fire, are they things that are eternal, right? And most importantly, are they things where we're investing in people? Because people really are the only eternal things. And so I don't mean this to be mean. This is challenging here as we ask these questions. We, we feel bad a lot of times because the answers aren't good. Right, but the que there's nothing wrong with the question, right? <laughs> when we ask the question and we don't like the answer, we don't need to get mad at the person asking the question. We need to really assess, hey, is this something that I need to continue doing? Is, because the things that I do, that is my life. There isn't anything else, right? We need to be reminded of that. Oh, well, this is my life now, but other things will be about my life. Oh, well, guys, this, this is life. Like what you do every day when you're awake, that is your life. 
It's not something else. It's not this idea of a life that we think we're living, but it's the actual life that we do live. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that because, man, I got a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of times I'm just doing them. And Paul is saying, pump the brakes on that. I need you to think more about the things that you do. In this last verse, verse 26, He says, based on all that information, it says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I run as one not beating the air. Are you currently aiming at anything? I don't think there's probably a ton of us that that's the case, right? Like you're aiming at stuff. But if you're not, you need to. And does your boxing have purpose? My activity, is it, like, is there a point to it? <laughs> do I understand why I do the things I do, and do I understand the benefit, right, or what they lead to? And so I think that those are some really good questions for us, that, uh, for us to ask, and they've been really, really challenging for me, regardless of how uh, how we are engaging, right, with the things of the Lord and the people of God and His truth and, and, and Him, right, that if God loves us, right, He's going to constantly encourage us, but do we care to listen, right? He encourages us because He wants our lives to count. Do you understand, uh, we asked about that question for, uh, what if you had three years left? That, that essentially, when, God, when Jesus started His earthly ministry, that's the time that He had. A lot of stuff can be done in three years. But we've got to be intentional. Leroy Eames says this, and this is, and and, and we'll um, kind of close here in the next few minutes, but this is what we want to kind of key in on this morning. He said this in 1978, every believer in Jesus Christ deserves the opportunity of personal nurture and development. Every new believer is expected to achieve his or her potential for God. And most would if they had the opportunity. If someone would get the food within reach, if someone would give them the help they need, if someone would give them the training they should have, if someone would care enough to suffer a little, sacrifice a little, and pray a lot. See, he's talking about people. Gilbert Eames was a guy that worked for the Navigators for about 30 years. And he wrote a lot on this because his passion, right, was mobilizing believers. To be mobilized is pretty simple. When we read the Great Commission and it says, go therefore, that a mobilizer understands the implication when it says go. He says, oh, you mean me? And we want to be people that go to others and say when that go, uh, when he says go, that means you too. And I want to walk you through what that looks like to help others go. Does that make sense? So I'm either one that needs to be shown how to go, or I need to be one that is showing others how to go. As we think about uh, that passage in Matthew, right, as Jesus is leaving, here's what I've been about for three years. I'm leaving, guys. It's on you now. Do we take that challenge? Do we say, are you kidding me? Like, you want me to be on your team? You think I can do this if somebody will just help me? 
The other question that needs to come to our mind is, uh, because this is, uh, we struggle with this, if somebody uh, came to Christ, they, they heard the gospel, responded to it, and we sat them down in a pew in the service, and it says, hey, that's all you get for the next 40 years, is just come on Sunday and sit there. Is that going to be enough to mobilize anyone? Does anybody believe that that's good enough? And so this is the hard truth, and this burns in my bosom, to use this old word. <laughs> Or it chaps something else. <laughs> that until people in those pews see people doing something other than sitting in those pews, they will never know that they're supposed to be doing something else. That's hard. That is what's modeled for us. That is what we've seen. That is the thing that needs to be broken. The vision. The vision is not to sit in that room. <laughs> for the rest of your life. That's not good enough. That's not the church. <laughs> That's not what Christ died for. He didn't die for us to, be, have to, to have to sit in a room for the rest of our lives. He died for us to do life differently, to care about different things, to be redeemed and been given purpose, to feel love and acceptance. To have other people help us bear our burdens. Paul said this is what he is about. We proclaim him admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man, woman, complete in Christ. And it's for this purpose that I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. reading a book uh, this, uh, this week. This is really impactful for me a couple of years ago, and I've just been thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this. Uh, and I reread a portion of it this week. Um, it's, and uh, it's a business professor from Harvard. He's talking about uh, business, but it's in life, right? And he says, the issue with change right, is that we need to understand that we need, uh, uh, we need to understand about urgency, but as you read the scriptures, Jesus was urgent for what? For people. What are we urgent for? Or are we complacent? And so everyone is in one of these two camps. We struggle with complacency or we're urgent. And then if we're urgent, are we urgent for the right thing? So let's deal with complacency first. We'll, we'll end with a couple thoughts here. Complacency is being content with the status quo. I'm okay with how things are. But I want to challenge you. I want you to look around at the people in your life. Are they okay with where, where, where things are? Because there's a couple people that can do something about that, and one of them is you. Content with status quo, paying insufficient attention to new opposition and frightening new hazards. It means that I don't care <laughs> is basically what it says. Right? When we're complacent, we're content with the status quo, and we're not paying attention to things that are coming up, right? Hey, there's these things that are not great. Should I do something about that? That's fine. Or things that could be happening, am I wanting to be vigilant about those things? 
And lastly, continuing with what has been the norm in the past. That is what complacency is, and that's what it feels like. Amen? Yeah. Status quo? Yep. I'm here for it. <laughs> but urgency is dealing with that which is of pressing importance. If we, uh, if out of the curtains crawled a baby, okay, and we didn't recognize said baby, we're like, huh, there's a baby. I recognize that guy or gal. Would we be urgent to do something about that baby? And not just kind of like put him where he needs to be, but like make sure that like, hey, where's his parent? Are you the parent? Are you going to not have the baby just roaming around? <laughs> we're going to get great pains to make sure. It's not a five-minute transaction. We'll probably spend 30 minutes, an hour, to make sure that, that that baby is taken care of and then checking on it, right? We're urgent to make sure that, okay, if that happened, maybe that could happen again. Are we that urgent with other people? When we see people lost, when we see people... Uh, needing help, right? Do we care? Because if we don't do something, we're assuming that someone else will do it. And this is endemic in the church. We think that someone else is going to do the thing that needs to be done, and yet, guys, we are the church. And at some point, those people that we think are going to do it are not going to be here anymore. And so we have to take the responsibility to say, hey, hey, the church is me. And at some point, there's not going to be anyone else around except me. And so am I going to do it? So urgency says action is needed now on critical issues. Critical issues are, ch are challenges central to survival. Urgency says, I want to make real progress every day, and I'm irritated when I don't, right? That I'm driven by the belief that we have great opportunity and great hazards. It means there's great things to be done, and there's things that if they happen, it's bad, right? And urgency says, I have a desire to move, to change, and to do it now. When we're urgent for the wrong things, we can tell by thinking through it this way. Urgency is driven by two things. One is anxiety, fear, and frustration. If I'm anxious, if I'm fearful, if I'm frustrated, and that is giving me urgency, right? And it's typically probably for the wrong things. But if I'm driven by focused determination to win as soon as possible, right? That I'm being urgent in the right way. So what is it that we want to win? Am I urgent to like knock out my cue <laughs> on, whatever, on whatever platform? Am I, am I urgent to finish that game? Am I urgent to finish the report? Or am I urgent, right, that there are people around me, right, that merely could use my engagement? <laughs> for the gospel, being discipled, just caring for them, just loving them well.
When you're urgent for the wrong things, this creates anxiety and anger, which results in frantic activity that is more distracting than useful. We need a high sense of urgency about the right things, and we need a low sense of complacency about the status quo. So I want to finish um, today by just giving you a little bit of time uh, around the table. So we're, we're about, people got to trickle off. Uh, but I want you to, as, uh, as you're thinking about whatever the Lord has impressed upon your heart, this is me giving you the hard sell about urgency. I'm urgent about this, like really urgent. <laughs> if you've never noticed that about me, like I'm really urgent for you guys. It pains me that I can't spend uh, any more time than I do with you. Like that is all what I'm doing every day is figuring out how I can spend more time with people. How can I spend more time with people? How can I spend more time with people? Guys, and it feels good because I know that that is the Spirit making me urgent. That's the only way that it will happen because I, just like you, get, I'm easily distracted and I'm easily okay with the status quo. And so I want you to spend a minute, whatever the Lord is uh, sharing with you right now, I want you to share that. Here's that Rob's a, a butthead. You know, if that, if that is what God's making you urgent, I just need to say that. But what is he... What is he speaking to you this morning? Have a couple people share. I just want you to spend, just have one person pray about that. And as we end, I don't want this to like, man, that was super convicting. He said, do something about it. Like we want the church and truth is for us to respond to it in an actual way. Second Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about, I'm not sad that I made you sorrowful if it leads to repentance. That God is hoping that as I read his truth and it challenges me, that he is hoping that maybe Rob will listen and do something different if he's not doing what he's supposed to do today. So take a minute, share real quick, pray, and then we'll be, and I'll dismiss us in just a minute. Let's pray. Father, would we be obedient um, to receiving the things that you are urgent for, Father, and for doing the work to, to become urgent for the right things? All the questions that we ask today, Father, are questions that we should ask ourselves and we shouldn't be afraid of what those answers are, Father, but rest in the reality of where we are. Lord, in that way, if we're doing what you want us to do, Lord, then give us the strength to continue doing that, to not grow tired. And Father, if we haven't been as obedient as we could be, Lord. Give us right people in our lives that can help teach us what that looks like. Father, that they would encourage us um, to be obedient to you and to be urgent for your things. And Father, as we come uh, together and worship, Lord, that it, be a, uh, that it be a joyous occasion just to remember how much you care for us and how much you are doing and how much you want uh, us to participate with you in all things. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time. In Christ's name.